0: and on this week's show we look ahead to the 2022 africa women's cup of nations with morocco hosting the tournament and with nigeria's super falcons looking for a 10th title also we speak to nigeria and glasgow rangers forward joe Aribo, who played 70 games for club and country this past season and had a lot of disappointments as you know football is like a roller coaster It it has its ups and
1: downs um but I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a long season, I'll to say that for sure.
0: That's coming later. Also, Stuart asks where it all went wrong for Manchester United. But first on the show, as referees come in for much criticism around Africa, former English Premier League referee Mark Clattenberg has been appointed as head of Egypt's newly created Refereeing Committee. Her local refs have been criticised by a lot of clubs in the Egyptian Premier League over their officiating this season. In recent years, they've threatened to withdraw from the league in protest over what they see as poor decisions going against them. Well, Klattenberg is highly experienced. In 2017, he took over as head of refereeing in Saudi Arabia. So we'll see how this move goes in Egypt. So the 2022 Africa Women's Cup of Nations is here with Morocco hosting the tournament that starts on Saturday and runs up until the 23rd of this month with two host cities, that's Rabat and Casablanca. Now the 2020 edition of the WAFCON was cancelled because of COVID and it was not rescheduled. This edition is exciting, it's an expanded one with 12 teams taking part, up from eight, and the top four teams qualify for the 2023 FIFA Women's World Cup and the fifth and sixth place teams go through to playoffs in World Cup qualifying well Nigeria have won nine of the 11 editions with Equatorial Guinea taking the other two the Super Falcons are again the favorites they knocked out Ghana in a very tough tie in qualifying that means then the Black Queens are not at the finals they're the most notable absentees Let's take a look at the groups then. A group A looks to be the weakest with Morocco, Burkina Faso, Senegal and Uganda, Ida,
2: Well, weakest maybe from a lack of big names historically, then yes, but I don't think that it's a group that's short of talent. Uh, let's look at Morocco, for example, who are making a comeback after 22 years. Now, That's pretty similar to Uganda, but unlike Uganda, who went through the qualification process, Morocco obviously make it, you know, courtesy of being the hosts. Now, it will be their third appearance at the finals. They made back-to-back appearances back in 1998 and 2000 at a time that, you know, would be thought of as a high point in women's football in Morocco. However, it has been a downturn since, you know, at least until now. But as we've talked about in the last year or so, Steve, Morocco really making some big commendable strides when we talk about development of women's football. Now, they also got two-time European Women's Champions League winner, Renald Pedros, on as head coach. Now, he won that with Lyon, who, look, arguably... The best women's side ever, you know, and he might be one of Morocco's most powerful weapons, Steve. I mean, they are unbeaten in 12 matches and the team did not chop some pretty impressive wins at the Aisha Buhari Cup. They beat Ghana, likes of Mali and Cameroon. So you can see that they are coming into their own. Now we did talk about the Crested Cranes Uganda in depth last week, so allow me not to get too deep into that again. Let me focus instead on debutants Burkina Faso. Now a huge chunk of the team, Steve, is based abroad. So ideally, you know, they should be coming in with lots of experience to bolster the team's chances. And finally, in this group, there is Senegal, of course, hoping to replicate the men's success on both fronts, you know, from winning the Nations Cup to qualifying for the World Cup. Steve, these ladies were responsible for bandling out last time's finalists Mali. So I don't think that this is a team to take lightly. It is the third Auchen, or as we've been saying, Wafkin in this case, they exited at the group stage on both occasions, Steve, so no doubt they will be, you know, looking to better that this time round.
0: Yeah, you'd expect Morocco to get out of the group stage as hosts. In Group B, there's Cameroon, Zambia, Tunisia and Togo. Here's Zambia's Everine Susan Katongo, the audio from the Football Association of Zambia. Uh,
3: it's really giving me more confidence. And it's really a motivating thing to me and a great achievement as a young player playing with the senior women, senior national soccer team. And I know that I'm inspiring other girls outside there. And it's really boosting me so that I can continue working extra hard, continue pushing until I play or like professional football as a team. And you just have to work extra hard first, market ourselves so that you can play professional football like us. We are just local players there in Zambia. Just have to work hard and show ourselves that we can play even high, at a at higher level. We just want them to continue supporting us like they did. Their support really gave us motivation. So we just ask for them to continue supporting us as we'll be playing our tournament and the games that are coming.
0: So that's Everine Susan Katongo, audio from FAZ. Zambia played at the 2020 Olympics, and with the top two teams plus the two best third-place teams progressing, you'd expect the Shipolo Polo to go through to the knockout stage, Ida.
2: Pretty much, Steve. It looks straightforward here. Uh, Key word, looks, (laughs) because we know football is anything but Giants, Cameroon and Zambia should be the favorites. Now, Zambia have had a whirlwind in the last bit experiencing their first big time international tournament. And look, fewer things can match the Olympics, you know, and I'm sure that that sort of exposure has definitely given them confidence for even more. And speaking of the Olympic Games, I mean, we can't go without mentioning the fantastic Barbara Banda, I mean, she made history in Japan, scoring two hat tricks in the game, Steve. Becoming the first female footballer to do so. And this is their fourth finals appearance, so these aren't minnows anymore, you know, not by a long shot. Chipolopolo have never actually made the knockout round, and will definitely fancy their chances here. I mean, they have beaten some heavyweights in the last bit. You know, we're talking Cameroon, who they share the group with, by the way, as well as South Africa, who we'll be getting to later. Now, Steve, that loss by Cameroon to Zambia is actually what denied the West African country a ticket to the Olympics. So I'm sure that they still want payback, you know, in some way. On top of that, Cameroon really do look at this as a realistic shot at the World Cup, you know, it would be their third straight one. And Cameroon FA boss, uh, Fekafoot boss Samuel Etto, basically setting the semi-finals as the worst that the ladies can do. The indomitable Lionesses, Steve, the only other team other than Nigeria and South Africa to make all women's nations cups. As for Tunisia, well, they are a team in building, a work in progress, but aren't we all? (laughs) But it will be their second appearance, and that already is testament to their hard work. Now, Togo, as we discussed, are making their debut, so not unless some drastic things happen, it should be Cameroon and Zambia who proceed.
0: Yes, and let's go on to Group C. It's an interesting one with two big guns in Nigeria and South Africa, uh, plus Burundi and Botswana. And perhaps,
2: Steve, so appropriate that the two big guns open the group. You know, they pretty much pick it up from where they left off at the last auction in 2018. That was when Nigeria beat South Africa on penalties. The teams also faced off in the Aisha Buhari tournament. That was when Banyana beat the Super Falcons 4-2. You know, some form of small retribution and indicative maybe of the powers shifting, you know, but only time will tell with that. Banyana, Steve, now with even more incentive because the South African Football Association, SAFA, saying that they will pay the ladies collectively over $570,000 in winning bonuses if they lift the title. The youthful team has the likes of star Tembi Katlana, of course, but can also rely on the experience of players such as Janine Van Wyk, you know, who will be playing in her seventh WAFCON. As for Nigeria, well, what can we say, Steve? Going for a record tenth African title. And they definitely have the squad for it, you know, superstar Sisa Toshuala, Rashidat Ajibade, they definitely headline the squad, but this can easily be anyone's tournament.
0: Yes, so Nigeria in pursuit of a 10th title at the Women's Africa Cup of Nations. It runs up until the 23rd of this month. Asking for your thoughts on social media, who are you tipping to win the WAFCON? So 12 teams are taking part. Nigeria have won nine of the 11 editions so far, Equatorial Guinea taking the other two. Uh, Certainly South Africa, Cameroon and Zambia are among the other main contenders, and the host Morocco have got a good draw. So who do you think will be the champions and why? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Talking women's football this week, who are you tipping to win the Women's Africa Cup of Nations? We're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to our interview with Nigeria and Glasgow Rangers forward Joe Aribo. Aribo played 70 games for club and country last season, believed to be more than any other player. Now, Rangers of Scotland lost the Europa League final to Eintracht Frankfurt and the domestic title to Celtic, with the Scottish Cup their only success last season. Uh, Then for Aribo with Nigeria, the Super Eagles went out in the round of 16 at this year's Africa Cup of Nations finals, and painfully they lost that World Cup playoff to Ghana in March. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Oloashina Okaleji spoke to Aribo first with his reflections on the season.
1: I'd say it's been a very good one. As you know, football is like a roller coaster It has, it has its ups and downs, um, but I've enjoyed it. Uh, it's been a long season, I'll just say that for sure. I've played a lot of games, but yeah, as a whole, it's been good. I'm happy to get silverware. Uh, A bit disappointed about the league, but to win a trophy is a good,
3: good, nice feeling. When you talk about disappointment, the Afghan didn't go well for Nigeria. You also wanted to go to the World Cup. It didn't happen. You lost an European Cup final. I mean, for a player, that must really be tough.
1: Yeah, um, I think it it, it was difficult um, to take it, but it wasn't going to plan. Uh, God has a plan for us, and it wasn't meant to be. So I think we can't question God. uh, We just need to trust and believe in what he has planned for us and I think when when you suffer something that's disappointing um, of course it's a natural feeling to be down or upset but um, there's always another game coming and you can't dwell on those things and we just have to move forward and keep moving forward so yeah
3: On a personal note um, you're chasing the 70 games with um, you, I mean for yourself like it doesn't happen often to play so many games some players are complaining of burnout you're just going like nothing happened so far
1: Yeah, um, I get my strength from God, so if I'm saying I'm tired, then I've got to keep going because I have the ability, I have the fitness, I have the right people around me and I've got the strength of God, so I know I can keep going. Whether I feel
3: tired, which I
1: have plenty of times, but I can just keep going.
3: And your performances have also alerted so many, I mean, rumors, speculations and all that. You must be first impressed with yourself and the fact that you're catching the highs elsewhere. Yeah, um, I think with all
1: of that stuff, I, I don't really read into it. I'm just focused on my football because you can't have distractions. It won't allow you to play the best and be the best that you want to, which I obviously want to do. I want to be the best out there every single time I play, so I just want to be focused and
3: ready to go. What does it feel like playing for a team like Rangers? I mean, your fans and the history behind the club and everything, what does it feel like to play for such a club? Um, it's it's truly an honour.
1: Uh I think before I came here, I didn't realise, well I did know, but I didn't realise how big the club is. Um, Having the fans around us, they're like the 12th man, they're amazing to have, Um, they're the best fans, honestly. And yeah, it's just an amazing feeling, it's truly an honor.
3: Every time we go on social media and elsewhere in the European newspapers, people talk glowing things about you, how... They just don't understand the, the, the talent, the ability to do all the things you do. Have you always believed in yourself that you're capable of producing performances like that? <laughs> um, funny enough,
1: no. Um, uh, before I, I would always be like a shy player, but now I have that belief. I've I've had um the right people around me to give me that confidence to to say yes, like you're you're the man that's going to take the game and change the game because even with my ma- previous managers, they said, oh you're like a game changer so I've had to believe in myself the only way I'm going to do that is if I'm confident in myself so I've had to take my time and get that confidence to believe in myself
3: every time you talk you talk by God's grace by God's grace now um are you a Christian do you really yeah
1: yeah I'm a Christian strong believer um I know that without God I wouldn't be doing this he gives me he's given me this talent the strength and yeah I'm just thankful to God for everything that's going my way
3: people say um, through Christ they are strengthened and all that has there been a part in your life where Christianity and your faith has actually played a role in your your career
1: I just think God has a plan for everyone and with me I think he's putting me on a pedestal to let people know that God does do wonders and miracles because where I've come from to where I am now it's only God Um, this can't be, it's not man made so yeah I just think if you look at my life and what's going on with me, then you truly believe
0: that God is out there and working wonders. Well, that's Nigeria and Glasgow Rangers forward Joe Aribo on his football and his faith as a follower of Jesus. Aribo has one season left on his contract with Rangers. They might not stay there. Clubs with reported interest include Crystal Palace, Nottingham Forest and Aston Villa, all in the English Premier League. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, a steward with five reasons as to what might have gone wrong at Manchester United over the years. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Let's go to social media now. Last week we asked, uh, should Sadio Mane have left Liverpool? Uh, The Senegalese are moving to Bayern Munich from the Reds on a three-year contract after a highly successful six seasons with Liverpool. So we asked, is this a good move? How will Mane do at Bayern and should he have left Liverpool? We had a huge response to this one. So many opinions. We'll start in South Sudan with Wani Abraham Lutuori. And Wani says it's a great decision he made because Liverpool paid him less than his talent was worth. Uh, Bako Mandi in Nigeria says, yes, it's a good decision because he plays very well, but he's underpaid. And Abu Dawid in Ethiopia says, good luck to Manny. His pay was less than Alex Oxley chamberlain at Liverpool. How could it be? He was a star the reds in the last six years says abdu in the gambia sideko suno says Manny will do well at bayern and he made the right decision to leave liverpool he is the key factor in all of liverpool's recent success but they don't appreciate him so well done to bayern munich and for saggio Manny. we need players like you at the allianz arena says sideko Edwin Costa-Motusi is in Botswana. Edwin said Man is a good player. I think he'll fit in well at Bayern. And Bouncer in Ghana says it's a great move. Also in Ghana, Abubakar Jay says it's a good move for him, as Klopp liked to substitute him more than he did Salah. And Chris Mbaku in Cameroon says good move. He's looking for money and not only empty titles at Liverpool. Uh, James Jimager in South Sudan says Manny will do well. And Abayomi Fasanu in Nigeria says a good move. He's made the right choice. A big payday for him because he's 30 and he'll definitely do well. Also in Nigeria, Chisholm says he's done all he can for Liverpool. And with the quality of Bayern and the Bundesliga, I think he's made the right move. Jeff Leciuti in Botswana says he's joining a good team which has no competition in the Bundesliga. He's already won the league before he kicks the ball. We'll see how far they can go in the Champions League, says Jeff. We heard from Liberia from Arando Dormi. Arando says yes, he was right to leave Liverpool because they didn't know his importance. And Omso Dollar in the Gambia says Mane's move is a very good one because he is a star and a very kind man. Any team he goes to will surely be successful and he wants more money to support his people back home. Uh, Privilege in Ghana says Mane is an incredible player. I know for sure that he'll perform marvelously at Bayern. And Kanu in Ghana says he's tired with the rivalry with Salah, where Salah gets more recognition. Uh, Jose Mugwisi is in Zimbabwe. Uh, Jose says, I'm not worried about what's going to happen there, but I was stressed about why they were underpaying Mane, but he was just focused and definitely the better thing came, and he took it. He deserved to go, says Jose. Uh, Foloruncho Tosin in Nigeria says, good move for Mane. He has nothing to prove, and he's 30 and close to retirement, so I think it's time to look for the money. Nice move, Mane, says uh, Foloruncho. Then in South Africa, Zobstick legend Moseki says it's a good move. Also, it'll be easy to adapt to Bayern's style of play. And uh, Jonah Drale says, for me, it's a great decision because he can't be a legend when playing for just one club. Uh, At Munich, he'll prove what he did at Liverpool was really for real, says Jonah. And in DR Congo, in Kinshasa, Fiston Savumasampu says Liverpool have lost a great legend. Uh, They should have increased his salary. And the only one who has doubts about Mane at Bayern is Balong Badji in the Gambia and Balong says Mane should have stayed because his move to Bayern sees him in a pool of smart players and it worries me and his place could be under threat due to the already established players. Well, thanks so much for all of those comments. I really enjoyed that one, uh, getting a sense of the huge admiration for Saggio Mane, uh, most saying they feel he deserves it and that uh, even that getting more money will mean he can help more people back home in Senegal. And also many feeling that he was unappreciated at Liverpool in light of his huge talent. We're next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK. And there's plenty of transfer news to talk about. Gabriel Jesus moving from Manchester City to Arsenal and Romelu Lukaku back to Inter Milan, Stuart. You know, Steve, when
4: we talked about Erling Haaland signing for Manchester City we said it was great news for the City fans but perhaps not such good news for some of the City players well it didn't take long for the effects to be seen with Gabriel Jesus already on his way out on his way to Arsenal and certainly the Gunners need an experienced striker you know they've got all the young players but having part of the company last season with Aubameyang and Lacazette I think that Jesus has a lot to offer them and then Raheem Sterling, a London boy, is also apparently considering leaving Manchester City, where his place in the starting lineup is no longer assured. Uh, Chelsea, a possible destination for him. And as you say, on his way out of Chelsea is Romelu Lukaku. It just didn't happen for Lukaku at Chelsea last season. Whether a dip in his form or just not fitting the Chelsea system. His two previous seasons for Inter had seen him score 23 and 24 goals in Serie A, where they say it's really difficult to score. But he only got 16 starts in the league and 8 goals for Chelsea. And in fact, this was the first time since 2011 that Lukaku had failed to score at least 10 league goals. Age 29, it'll be interesting to see what he can do back at Inter Milan. Now elsewhere, Manchester United have released Paul Pogba, one Mata, Jesse Lingard, Nemanja Matic and Edison Cavani but have yet to sign anyone. We understand that they are pursuing Frankie de Jong from Barcelona. Newcastle have signed Matt Target from Aston Villa for $25 million and Nick Pope, the Burnley goalkeeper for fifteen. Good players but not quite the marquee signings we might have expected given the club's Saudi Arabian owners with all their money. But of course, the transfer window is just starting.
0: Uh, Yes, indeed. And it'll keep us busy for the next few weeks here on Planet Sport Football Africa, uh, talking about those moves, those potential moves and all of those rumours as well. And talking of Manchester United, they began pre-season training this week under new manager Eric Ten Hag, who clearly has a huge amount of work to do. And now Sir Alex Ferguson left United back in 2013. It's been nine tough years since then for the Red Devils. Uh, Where did it all go wrong, do you think, Stuart? When Alex Ferguson stepped down,
4: as you say, um from Manchester United in 2013 after 27 years at the helm having won the Premier League title 13 times the Champions League twice who would have believed that in 2022 we'd be talking about a Manchester United team desperate to win any trophy at all a comparison of the last nine years of Ferguson's reign with the nine years since tells its own story Ferguson's last nine years 2004 to 2008 and 13, saw them win five Premier Leagues, one Champions League, three domestic Cups. But in the nine years since, there have only been two domestic Cups and a Europa League, which uh, have found their way to Old Trafford. So really quite remarkable. Where did it all go wrong? Well, I can think of five ways, perhaps. You could start with a manager. After the stability of one manager in 27 years... We've had six managers in nine seasons, seemingly each one no better than the previous one. David Moyes got less than a season. Louis van Hal two seasons. Josie Mourinho, two seasons. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, two and a half seasons. Ralph Raniak, and now Eric Ten Hag. And you know, Steve, the joke going around is that they've gone for ten Hag to remind them that it's ten years since they won the league. And on the manager's front, I am sure they regret not giving David Moyes more time. Some of the later appointments never seemed right. I mean, ironically, in his retirement speech to the Old Trafford crowd in 2013, Alex Ferguson said to the crowd, It's your job to stand by the manager. Perhaps he should have been saying that to the board and the owners. Now, apparently the blueprint for Ferguson's successor had four points. Play attacking football with exciting players. Give opportunities to homegrown players from the academy. Be arrogant on the pitch. Be humble off the pitch. But, I mean, frankly, just looking at that, you can see it's obvious that some of the managers they appointed just didn't fit. Then my second point would be the Glazers, the American family who bought Manchester United in 2004-05, and they have been hugely unpopular with the fans. They've saddled the club with debt and taken huge profits. But they cannot be totally blamed, because under the Glazers, Alex Ferguson still won five Premier League titles and a Champions League. Then perhaps the structure of the club. Louis van Gaal said that Manchester United was a commercial club and that it's easier to coach in a football club. And van Gaal added that when he was manager of Bayern Munich, he was working under Uli Hoeneß and Karl-Heinz Rümenegger, two Bayern legendary players, whereas at Manchester United he was working under accountants and businessmen who were more concerned with profit than with trophies. One example of this is that Manchester United liked to give players high wages and long contracts in order to increase their transfer value. But the problem is if those players were not playing well, no one wanted to buy them, they stayed at the club receiving huge salaries and blocking the path for new players the manager might want. And again, talking about the management of the club, when Alex Ferguson left in 2013, so did Chief Executive David Gill. And apparently, arguably, Gill is as big a loss to Manchester United as Ferguson because um, his successor, Woodward, is accused of interfering too much in football matters where he had no expertise, as well as being driven by profit more than results. And then transfers... United's transfers over the last nine years since Ferguson left have been quite disastrous with probably more than half the players making very little impact and again Woodward is often blamed for that. Ten Hag may well be the right man for the job but there will be no quick fix. The current players are not good enough the club's structure is not right mistakes have been allowed to happen over the past nine years Manchester United can again be the best team in Europe, but it will take a lot of time.
0: Yes, it could be a process for Manchester United. Uh, Thanks a lot, Stuart. Before we go, on social media again, asking who are you tipping to win the Women's Africa Cup of Nations? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus 447955232780. That's plus 447955232780. Who do you think will win the WAFCON? Well, that's it for the show for this week, so thanks so much for listening. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, and from Stuart Weir in the UK, Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.